Welcome to the Training Design Podcast, a approximately 45 minutes of tips and insights for practical training design with me, Sheridan Webb of Keystone Development and Training. And me, Terry Pierce of 360 Learning Design. So this week's episode is all about gamification in learning. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about what do we actually mean by gamification, why it matters in learning design and some of the misconceptions surrounding it. We'll be looking at using game elements and game design approaches to tap into the different motivations and the types of gamer that we find out there. We'll be discussing examples of how it's been used in the past and how it could be used in the future before rounding off with some tips for introducing gamification principles into your own learning design. Following this, we'll have a very quick look at how to design bite-sized training. Okay, Terry, there's an awful lot of talk about gamification in learning at the moment. So can you give us some background as to why it's important at the moment? Sure, yeah. Um, I, th- I think it's quite interesting about the, the way that people talk about it, actually, because uh, and it's becoming more and more of a kind of buzzword since about 2010, 2011, I think. And uh, I think one of the reasons it's, it's kind of important to uh, talk about, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it today, actually, is I think there's a lot of misconceptions about it. I think uh, as it's been a kind of buzzword and people have talked about it and it's, it's had some profile, people think that gamification in learning is about putting points on everything, uh, making leaderboards out of everything, uh, and giving people badges and achievement uh, kind of awards for things. And that is part of gamification, but I think it can be used, you know, if you think it's just points, badges, and leaderboards, it can get used in quite a shallow kind of way, quite mechanical, I think. Yeah, I must admit that's why I've sort of, um, I'll be totally honest with you, I've, I've shied away from it a little mm. bit because that is very much how I've seen it. And I've also seen it as very much an e-learning concept. Mm. Um, but I'm guessing that there's more to it than that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I wanted to, to, to talk about. I mean, definitely in terms of the uh, e-learning uh, element of it, it's, it's, it's probably easier, particularly with those kind of things, points, badges and leaderboards, to put into place with, with e-learning. But you can definitely do it, I think, with live learning or, or, or any kind of learning, really. But I think, yeah, just, just like you're saying there, people do get a little bit switched off if it's done in a kind of really kind of broad brush uh, way without too much thought. And, and I think actually... It is for me a really powerful and subtle set of ideas gamification um is around motivation it's around saying let's have a think about what's going on in the world at the moment games are huge and the games industry is bigger than than hollywood in terms of its revenue you know if you look at how many you just take one game take angry birds so the amount of uh time that people spend playing angry birds is about the equivalent of building the panama canal every single day just the amount of hours that they spend. If you've got that hours in terms of people actually building the panel canal, they do it every day. I, I can totally believe that because I, I waste hours a week doing Candy Crush still. Yeah, yeah. And, and, <laughs> I mean, why? Why do I do that? <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's exactly the thing. Why do we do that? Um, and if you start to ask that question, why you come into all kinds of things around motivation and human psychology uh, and saying, okay, well, if, if games attract people and retain people, then can we use some of the things they do? And there's lots of different ways that they do that, but let's, let's examine it. And that's, that's the whole kind of science, if you like, of gamification is to say, let's look at all the different ways that they do it, which is much more than just points, badges, and leaderboards, and say, can we apply that to getting them to do something else that we want them to do, which is not actually play a game, but learn this concept, pay attention in the classroom, come back to the learning thing rather than forgetting about it etc 
Yeah, I'm very interested to hear about that because I'm telling you now, despite many hours on Candy Crush, I've, I've learned nothing from that, <laughs> nothing at all. So, I, yeah, I think it is, for me, those sorts of games are just, they're almost relaxation tools. Mm. So it'll be really interesting to see, well, how can you actually turn that into a positive learning experience? Yeah, and, and absolutely, those designers who are get, designing that are not wanting you to learn anything. They're wanting you to just uh, keep playing the game. But the ways in which they manage it, we can think, well, can we, can we uh, harness them? Can we adapt them? Yeah. So what exactly is gamification then, Terry? What does it mean to you? Yeah, well, there are different definitions about. To me, uh, I think it's, it's a few different things. In fact, there's a course on Coursera from the University of Pennsylvania that uh, I really like their definition. I'm going to talk a little bit about that later. Uh, and their definition is around the idea that uh, it's about looking at game elements, elements of games, and the idea of a game design approach, so how designers of games approach their, their whole craft, and taking those two things, the elements and the design approach, and applying them to something that isn't a game. Um, so as soon as you take those two things, see what you can learn, try and apply whichever of them are relevant. And that's the really key thing. So it's not just blindly grabbing a leaderboard or a point system, but working mm. out how they're relevant and putting them into something that's not a game. I mean, just to, to, to flesh a couple of those out a little tiny bit. Yeah. You know, um, if we're saying game elements, you know, I'm just going to really quickly run through a bit of a, uh, an incomplete list of things that are elements of games, because uh, I think it just gives a flavor of, of all the different things that are going on that you could harness. So in games, we have meaningful choices. People take on roles. People have autonomy to make choices in the game. Uh, there's an element of fun there. Uh, there's usually some kind of training wheel. So that early on in the game, you, you're being kind of given handleable kid gloves. Uh, there's an element of challenge, of collaboration, uh, of trading often, being on a journey or having a narrative, of time pressure, of consequences to your actions, of uh, quests that you can choose to go on, of loss aversion of something that you've gained, of puzzles. So it, it just goes on wow. and on this list. So yeah, if, you, if you've got a list like that, you can start to say, wow, yeah, which of those can we use? And I'm sure that a lot of gaming design, ga uh, sorry, training designers are already using those things in their training design, but gamification is about saying, well, let's take those and let's put a game design approach on it, which is thinking about the experience from the user's point of view in games from the gamer's point of view, but from a, in our case, from the, from the learner's point of view. That is really, really interesting. Cause as you're going through that list there, um, I'm just thinking to some of the, I'm going back in my own sort of career, some of the most impactful things I've ever designed and therefore, and, and sometimes delivered, have a lot of those elements in them. Mm. It is about that, that meaningful choice and it is about the consequences and it's, it's almost been um, the, the self-build case study, which, you, you know, I'm a massive fan of case studies. Mm. So we start off with one scenario, one group decides to do one thing, one group decides to do another thing and that takes the whole situation in different directions. Yeah. Um, and there's so much learning to be got from that. I never realized I was making a game. Yeah, well, not <laughs> making a game, but gamifying. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that's one thing to, to keep distinct, I think, actually. And it's useful to keep it distinct that if you have a, a kind of really self-contained environment that really is a game and there's no, like, like you were saying with Candy Crush, there's no link to, the, uh, to out, something that's outside of mm. it. That's a separate thing. But actually, if you're taking something like that and applying it to something where there's, there's something outside of the game that's useful, like the learning that they're taking away to apply to a real world situation, then you're gamifying something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is, that is so cool. So I've sort of done um, bits of that, I suppose, which is really nice because I realize I'm not so far behind the curve <laughs> on that. 
I'm guessing you've got loads of experience, Terry, where you've made that work for you. I have made it work in a number of different places. Yes. Uh, and I think one of the things, if, if you're thinking about examples is to look around you as well. So I get inspiration from all kinds of different places where people have put this stuff into action. I mean, you talked about being addicted to Candy Crush a little bit. Uh, I, I'm definitely addicted to Duolingo, for instance, and that's all about learning, uh, learning yeah. a language. And, you know, I uh, have made various attempts throughout the years to try and learn a language but it's, you know, it always kind of tails off. I, I don't make the time to sit down and, and, and do it and keep at it. But some of the things that Duolingo just puts into place mean that actually uh, I've stuck at it. I mean, they do have obviously points and leaderboards and stuff, but what mm-hmm. motivates me a lot more about that is the partly the social element of it. So I've got some friends on Duolingo and I kind of have a little bit of a competition against them or I, I, I kind of chat with them in Spanish, which I'm learning on there. But also the, there's, a, there's a streak which uh, touches on the, the loss aversion element of games. Oh, right. Yes. I've got my 300 day streak now and there's no way I'm losing that for anything. <laughs> so every single day it brings me back. Yeah, no, that, that's really interesting. And it's funny because I, I, um, I've got teenage kids um, and some of the apps that they use from school really, really, um, you know, they have all of those points in them, like say particularly the language apps, but also mm. the maths apps as well. Mm. Um, and just going back to what you said about them being under time pressure and it gets harder, particularly with the language ones, the, the first challenge was learn these 10 words. Mm. Um, and that was the first challenge and then it was okay recognize these 10 words in a faster time mm. um, so the challenge changed yeah so, yeah which is is quite interesting that isn't it definitely yeah again uh, using gamification concepts there definitely yeah 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 and so you're right sometimes they're turned off by those things but mm. um it's i was smiling when you're talking about this the streak there because that is my daughter through and through she will mm. not she got 100 days on something and even on yeah. holiday she's like i have to do this <laughs> yeah absolutely and yeah i i'm definitely want to talk at some point about the idea that different parts of getting different elements appeal to different people. And that's one of the things, again, that Duolingo does well is, is it gives you lots of different things that you can choose to interact with or not there. But I mean, in terms of examples where I've used it, you know, one good example is a little a kind of, and again, you could almost think of it as a game, but it's, it's really a gamified learning process of speed influencing. So this is something that I designed as, as well, helped design as part of a team for a client quite a long time ago, actually. But uh, I've always remembered it because it always got a really good reception, which was just this idea of t- uh, combining the idea of speed dating almost mm-hmm. and influencing. So as part of an influencing skills course, taking people uh, and saying, okay, now using all of the different skills that we've covered today on influencing, we're going to ask you to... Uh, spend five minutes with this person and then five minutes with this person and then five minutes with this person and each case uh, so that you know the quick change a little bit like speed dating but obviously rather than trying to uh, persuade them to go on a second date with you what you're now going to do is try and influence them about a particular topic and we had various ways of choosing what that topic was we had to try and switch someone from believing a to believing b so just actually quite simple when you kind of kind of just just look at it like that but um all kinds of elements and and, and some of the power of kind of uh, the motivation behind games there around 
taking on a role of you know believing or not believing a certain yeah. thing and i guess at the end of that um, exercise terry i'm just sort of assuming mm. now is that it's almost like you, you debrief that at the very end to, to find out who influenced the most people so you've got absolutely. that you've got the, that scoreboard there then haven't you yeah absolutely and you know again you've got to be you think about exactly how to do it again this is the kind of uh, designer's approach mm. um so you know there's you've got to avoid the kind of shaming of somebody who hasn't done it well but you yeah. can certainly reward the people who have do, done it well and the biggest improvers and you can compare different techniques and how much they uh because we've got the influenced people or, or you know the people who are supposed mm -hmm. to be influenced to give a score of how well they were influenced so you can compare different approaches and how how they influence the score that you got so yeah you know there's a, i think a quite a relatively creative and useful way to use scores rather than a really blunt way that some people you know have 10 points for this have 20 points for this. yeah 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 because it, it can become um I don't know, almost a little bit cheesy, can't it? If you hmm. if you're just giving out points sort of randomly or you know, for, for for the wrong things. Yeah, definitely. And and you know, if you're putting those on a leaderboard, sometimes uh, again, who has what on the leaderboard or doesn't really get uh, motivated by competition is you know left a little bit cold by it. But if but if you're thinking about all that in a game design approach, and then you're putting these elements into place and seeing how they work, you know, I think it can be really effective. Yeah. Cool. So that's a really good example of how we can use that in the live training environment. Um, have, you, have you any others or am I asking too much of you? <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I've got, I've got stack, stacks of them, stacks of them. Um, well, just give us one more then, one more that's slightly different. Uh, okay. So a little bit of a different one. When are you doing uh, styles for different things? Uh, so I'll take leadership as one example. So looking at different styles of leaders and or managers, and there are lots of models out there, as I'm sure you know. I'm sure most oh, people yes. know. <laughs> and you can definitely pick one of those and you can say, fantastic, uh, you know, this, this is a way to divide up. You've got four different types of managers. Let's see who fits in each category. But another way to do it is to say, well, actually, you know, you've, you've all got experience of leadership and management, either as you, yourselves are actually leading or if you're talking to new people, you can, you can look at them saying and say, well, you've all got experience of being led try and work it out for yourself. Try and say, okay, you've got the whole world full of leaders. You've got famous leaders. You've got the leaders that you've had yourself personally, people you've worked with, uh, your own style as a leader, if you are a leader. Try and divide it up into categories yourself. And you can give them a little bit of a steer, a little bit of an anchor at the start uh, of different ways that other things have been categorized, but then get people to, to create their own uh, set of styles and so divide the world up into three types of leaders or four types of leaders mm -hmm. uh, maybe with a theme you know you can divide people up into cars you know that, that you know these people are ferraris whereas these people are reliant robins or, or whatever <laughs> um and you know in a way this this almost might not sound like a gamification type idea but actually if again if you if you look at a kind of elements uh viewpoint then you can think about certainly fern and creativity and customization um, but also competition, if you then take it and say, well, let's look at which of the different ways of putting leaders into categories best helps us to describe these leaders from history. Can we mm. categorize them using yours or does it work better using yours? Um, yeah. And again, with, with a soft touch around not letting feel people feeling, not leaving people feeling too missed out if theirs wasn't the best, but just an exploratory mm. kind of feel of, okay, these are just our... our our scratch boards around okay this is one way we're thinking of categorizing people but actually between us all we'll see which is the best and that will not only help us to think about styles but also engage us in a similar way to to you know the way people get engaged in games mm. 
I guess as well with, with something like that, you've, you've got the, um, and, and I know we've mentioned it before, the, the IKEA principle, um, where, you know, you've, you've actually involved the group in designing their own theory almost. Mm, yeah. um, and coming up with their own answers, which is always, as, as we know, a lot more meaningful than just being told this is what it is. Yeah, um, absolutely. So it's, it's get people involved that way. Yeah, and I found so, when I've done stuff like that, uh, you know, I've done variations on that activity in lots of different courses and i found definitely some of that energy that you get when people really do get into something it really comes through in that yeah yeah i'm just thinking back to myself as well so, um i don't do as much um direct facilitation as you do but I, I still do some and definitely when i've set the group a challenge mm. um and given them the time and resources to do it but you need to have clear guidelines i guess it's like um like any game isn't it so i'm, I'm gonna go off Okay. Um, I'm going to go off just for a moment. We had a new game. Um, I don't know when we had it a few months ago anyway. And it's, I think it's called pandemic. Yep. Um, quite a complicated game. Um, my husband's a great one for reading the rules. Um, but you really do have to get your head around the rules. And once the mm. rules are clear, you can go off and actually, you know, have a really good game, but then we start adapting the rules because we don't like one particular rule. So we decide to either ignore that or we replace it with something else. And I think, you know, when I've done similar things in, in the training room, it's almost like, well, these are the rules, mm. um, you know, over to you, off you go, come back with something. And people really do enjoy rising to the challenge and they will challenge your rules as well. So, mm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> which shows they're thinking about it, doesn't it? <laughs> Definitely. And I think something you're touching on there as well is the idea of, of looking around for inspiration. So, you know, there are mm. so many different types of games when you really think about it. There's, there's quite complex board games like Pandemic. There's quite mm. sim simple board games uh, like uh, Monopoly or uh, you know even chess, that kind of thing different games that come from a whole different place like cards against humanity or something like that that's a kind of social i've never game. played that <laughs> comedy yeah i mean i'm not going to go into explaining it all here but it's but it's really about who can try and be the most funny and any kind of scoring is really not the, the whole point of the game at all oh a bit um, like qi then or um yeah, would i lie to you <laughs> yeah something like that yeah or you know there are games that people play that are a little bit more physical games like uh, twister or yeah. like darts or something like that and it's just all kinds of different things and if you start to look at all of them they all touch different elements of human motivation and they all could provide inspiration for you just doing something and again it doesn't have to be a whole game yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing, but just changing what could be quite a pedestrian kind of activity or explanation into just something that is a little bit more spicy and a little bit more attuned with what makes people interested and keeps them interested do you know what terry i'm feeling inspired already um <laughs> And I'm just thinking about some of the things I've done in the past and how I perhaps missed an opportunity to link things together. Um, so, for example, I did um, a great game on um, communicating goals and targets. So we, we had the whole we, we had, you know, the physical target. We were chucking stuff at it um, and we were talking about, you know, how you motivated people, how you had to get you know, all these things. Um, so that was a great game. And obviously people. I kind of engineered it so I knew which group would win because I wanted to make a particular learning point. But I'm just thinking that there would be the option there to actually put, for people who like that sort of game, that's great. So the team can win points for that. But then you could also have, and we want you to actually come up with um, a mnemonic or we want you to um, do some sort of more theoretical stuff mm. to back up the physical side of it. So it turns into a, a more complex activity. Yeah, which can absolutely. maybe get more people involved so if you're not really the one that likes throwing balls at walls you're more of a thinker you can still add a lot of value to your team in a different way so 
yeah it's uh, yeah sometimes joining the dots definitely I, I, that actually reminds me of a, a team building uh, game stroke set of activities uh, that, that I've often used which you know is trying to get everyone's different preferences and styles in there by kind of saying okay uh, we are going to have a kind of competitive element and we are going to have point system and, and, and winners mm -hmm. but what goes into that is going to be a whole bunch of different tasks and actually it's up to you to work out which of you is going to handle which tasks so you're going to yeah. you're going to end up and, and when I've done it you have ended up with one of the people there in the corner puzzling over the kind of word-based or number-based puzzle on their own to some extent uh, yeah. but having to coordinate with others to make sure they're using the time to best effect. And then you've got other people going around the room trading things with the other teams because the only way they can win part of it is by trading some of their less useful uh, items for someone else's more useful items um, and someone else who's going out and doing a more skill-based kind of challenge. So all these mm -hmm. different challenges, getting that all to feed into the, the, the main kind of game, if you like, or the main points system and so on. Yeah. I think what I'm starting to hear, and we'll, um, we'll, we'll go back on track and look at some practicalities in just a moment, but is the key theme that's coming through for me is, is a challenge, a challenge of people to achieve um, in whatever way that is. Mm. I think that's one of the most common parts. I mean, when I read down that list of elements, uh, I didn't really kind of accentuate any of them more than others. But if you look across different games, some of them definitely crop up more than others. I mean, if you were going to, again, go back to, to a list like that, you'd have to pick out things like autonomy, fun, challenge as being very, very common. It's actually kind of hard to think of many games that don't have those elements. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Excellent. So that's really, really thought provoking. So how can we, um, as learning designers, how can we embrace gamification? How can we make it more a part of what we do? Or, you know, have we, discussed that already i don't know i'm just thinking i'm, I'm sensing that there's more to come from you terry mm. <laughs> <laughs> definitely uh, i think we've only got about 40 45 minutes ideally but you know we'll see what we can do you know i think it's really uh, deep there's a lot to this if if you if if people who are listening are really interested in this i think the best thing they can do is go beyond just this podcast and kind of say okay that, that what other information is out there so you can study it uh, as i mentioned earlier the coursera course run by the university of pennsylvania uh, is really good there are some really good books out there uh, gamification of learning and instruction by carl cap um, and carl cap also does some really really good blogs um so you know there are lots of uh, different places out there where, you can, where we can learn more but, but 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 for me yeah it comes down to again that those two really big things um first of all the approach so I mean, we've talked a bit about the elements. We haven't talked. Yeah, I was going to say, we haven't talked as much about the approach. So um, I, mm. I get the elements. They make sense mm. to me. Um, so, yeah, you, you, you kind of just through and the, you take the gamification approach. Mm. So but what exactly do you mean by that? Well, I think so. The approach, again, if you think about actual kind of games and how people design them, you know, the best games have been really, really well thought through and play tested and built up from kind of scratch. It's not somebody that somebody said, OK, you know, whoever designed Pandemic or Chess yeah. or whatever didn't just say, hey, here you go. This is exactly how it's going to be the finished article. They've, they've tried it out. Some bits have worked. Some bits have not worked. They've played around with it. And this is a kind of, you know, game design approach. You know, it's, it's thinking about things like balance, you know, what kind of balance is there of, uh, and it's, there's not going to be an imbalance between one side and the other. So in Chess, you know, um, right. yes, uh, White will win slightly more often, but, you know, somebody's got to go first and it is pretty well, really? balanced as it is. Slightly more often, yeah, because they go first, yeah. yeah. Good, good I never knew that. 
but it's only very slightly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, but 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 beyond that, there's there's pretty good balance between the sides or balance between different options. So if you have a game that has meaningful choices, um, you know, yeah, you make, like you know, the game of life. I love the game of life. Absolutely. So you you can go to university, mm. um, which means it takes you longer to start earning, but or you can go the quick route straight into work. You start earning straight away, but obviously yeah. don't earn quite as much. Fabulous, and that's a perfect example. Really, yeah. you're already studying gamification without really. <laughs> Um, because, I just yeah, played a lot of games. <laughs> yeah, well, they, well they've, they've balanced it. You know, if, if, if by going to university, that was always the best route, then it would be a bad game, actually, because yes. you know, it would never be uh, worth doing the other way. So there'd be no point in that being on the board. So it's that, that kind of thing of balance and trying to work out that everything is balanced. And then secondly, uh, thinking of the experience for the person playing the game. So how will it feel? How will they kind of, what will they take from it? How, how will they... Any, are there any, is there anything that will demotivate them or stop them as you're going along? And, and all of this I'm talking about from the point of view of, 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 of games. But again, it's just taking that kind of approach when we're designing learning activities. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, many years ago, I did actually design a board game to use mm. as part of a, of a learning experience. And that's, that's obviously what comes to your mind, isn't it? You think of either the, like, say, the, the, the Angry Birds type thing, so mm. very much on a device, or you think of getting out a board mm. and having pieces to move around, um, which is probably gamification at its purest. Um, whereas what you're saying is we can just take elements of that mm. um, to spice up learning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, yeah. Well, in, in a way, I'd call, you know, things like that, that's actually actually game design. You know, you're actually designing games, which yeah. is great. And, and I love doing that as well. But yeah, gamification is when we're taking that across. Yeah. Yeah. So forgive me if this is going slightly um, off, but I do have a genuine question for mm. you. When we talked about, um, you know, getting people to compete and to do different types of tasks and, and make sure we bring different people in different times. What would be your advice about keeping people in teams for a whole event? That's an interesting one. I think, uh, you know, there's going to be pros and cons to any decision you make. For me, what you're going to be tapping into by doing that is kind of a sense of team, uh, a sense of, you know, a unit and, and kind of pulling together and teamwork, uh, all of which are game elements, you know, that we see work really well in lots of games. I think at the same time, you know, if, if there's anything that's going difficult it's not going quite well in the team if there's a, a, a difficult dynamic in the team you know people are kind of stuck with it rather than being able to kind of change and 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 have a little bit of an adapting there so i think it would depend you know on exactly again taking the game designer's approach trying to think that through for the from the point of view of the experience the kind of people you're going to have the kind of learning point the kind of level of t difficulty of things and the time you're taking and thinking how will that play both ways yeah the only reason I ask is that very many years ago um, we ran a program and we, we did um, very much put people in teams and there was a, a small prize at the end, just a box mm. of chocolates or something. But sometimes then it starts to get counterproductive because mm. you, you ended up with sabotage and things like that. Um, mm. So instead of people trying to play their best game, they're actually trying to sabotage the other team. And you think, no, that's not, that's not where we're going with this. Yeah. Um, so I only did it like that for that one particular um, set sure. of courses since then I've, I've always tried to mix things up a little bit sure and and again that's a, a really good example of where the game designers approach should really help because you know it is about ideally play testing it certainly kind of running it through thinking of what could go wrong uh trying to kind of uh, improve it in iterations 
and and I think the other thing there is that it kind of it's a game element how the scoring is done and how serious it's taken and how resistant it is or isn't to sabotage so in some games you know it's all about the sabotage that's the entire point because of how it's positioned it's like okay mm. you know you, you, your best way to win and it is all about winning is to sabotage the other team but in others yeah. the points really don't matter at all so like i was saying cards against humanity is, is, a, is a kind of it's slightly risque kind of uh, pie game of people making jokes and some people like it and some people don't but one of the things that mm. i think it does really well is it, it you know it makes it really clear from the way the game set up is that it's not really about the points it's not really about the winning it's just about the playing and the trying to be funny and make each other laugh yeah uh, and that's the whole point so i've seen point systems with teams and with competitions and leaderboards work really well on that basis you know that uh, actually you know it, it, it's funny and you know somebody will give you 100 points when you know only one is the norm and then dot yeah. 150 the next minute just because you're just messing around with it that kind of mm. so yeah yeah but i also so, think go on, go on. no i was just gonna say I, th- I think that's really interesting to say because i think particularly on your audience as well sometimes people do get very um focused on the rules and the points and the scoring mm. rather than actually what it is we're here to do the challenge that we're trying to you know um overcome the challenge trying to meet here so i think like you say that's perhaps some some way to do with the the way it's designed and that design approach it's also the way that we communicate that um yeah. to people and, and the um the the, the the focus that we put on it i suppose absolutely yeah and i think it's also around different types of player or learner and you know if we're in the in the, in the classroom um yes yeah because salespeople are phenomenally competitive no matter what yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll turn something into a game even if it's not sure um so i guess yeah there there are a different sort of um different games appeal to different people i guess yeah definitely and i think that's one of the things again about this design approach but also linking it to elements that actually if you start to think about the different kinds of people that you have and, and what motivates them uh, then you can start to try and take account of all of them uh, so I, I want to introduce here actually just uh, so there's a, a set of cards designed by uh, Andre Markzewski. I'm not sure if I'm getting that pronunciation exactly right, uh, but uh, you, you can see it if you're listening in in the in the links. Uh, and he's produced a set of gamification inspiration cards. And one of the things that it's a part of this kind of deck of cards, which is a really interesting approach in itself, is uh, you've got six different kinds of people. So he talks about people that are socializers in games they like the social interaction in game or people who are philanthropists in games they like showing other people how to play well and helping other people or achievers people who are voted by uh, sorry motivated by uh, learning new things and improving themselves or free spirits who like to just uh, have their own control and do their own thing or disruptors who like to try whatever you're not supposed to do or yeah. players who just uh, like to play the game the way it's supposed to be played and get the points and and, and win the game and you've got all these different ones. And then, you know, if you start to think about that, different elements of different games are definitely going to appeal to them. Yeah. Uh, so one way that I think about that is, you know, um, Minecraft. So Minecraft is a hugely, I know, uh, you know, hugely uh, popular game. And I've looked at it and I've gone, is this even a game? I'm not sure what's appealing about this. I know. Me, no, my, my kids went mad on it about three years ago. They hmm. were absolutely bonkers on Minecraft. Hmm. Um, so I thought, you know, being a good mum, I'd go and find out how to do it. Well, I couldn't even do, work the controls. Um, mm. And they're just building these amazing structures. Just mm. click, 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 click. And this castle would just appear. 
Um, and then they go and they would look for each other in, you know, they get some pigs going and, and I, and I couldn't even use the controller. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like you, I was like, well, where's the game element in that? There's mm. no scoring system. I mean, my son's into Fortnite now. Yeah. Um, I get that. There's, mm. you know, there is, there are tasks that they have to achieve and there's, they get points for certain things, but with Minecraft. Sure. But that's the thing. <laughs> it's appealing to different uh, buttons to the ones that you're used to in a lot of the games that you've experienced and come across in your life. And, and me too. Uh, you know, so it's appealing to free spirits who just want to explore and have their own ideas about things and put them into to reality. It's appealing to philanthropists who kind of uh, have a purpose of, of helping other people and showing other people good ways to do things. You know, people get their own YouTube channels about Minecraft and what they've built yeah. in it and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's different, different kinds of gamers, if you like, different kinds of people with different kinds of motivations. So I think one of the things that, um, the, the, you know, the cards or an approach like that anyway, does is help us think about that and then start to link it to the element. So if we start to think, well, we've got to either we were going to have these type of people, like you were saying, you've got salespeople and we think yeah. they're going to be quite competitive and achievement focused. Or if we haven't got a particular type, then just trying to think about all the different types you might have and having something in there to appeal to as many of them as possible. So that can help you to think about what elements you want to use. Yeah. I mean, this is, um, it, it all links back and there's some very broad principles, aren't there, in, in learning design that, you know, things go in and out of fashion, um, theories and approaches and the rest of it, but there are some broad principles that never go away. Um, and what you just alluded to there is about the variety. And when we've got a, a, a mixed group of people, we have to keep the variety in there mm. in whatever format, yeah. um, just to keep people engaged and to help people learn what they need to learn in a way that feels comfortable to them yeah absolutely definitely so if we've talked a lot about activities generally um is there any other parts of learning design where gamification could work i think you can definitely use it outside of designing classroom-based learning we talked earlier about e-learning and you know if you think about the fact that you can use it for e-learning then there's all this, this whole range of things there's there's anything really from anything where you're starting to want to motivate people, engage people, get them drawn into what you're doing or get them to take certain actions or get them to stay engaged. So project work, uh, thinking about how they're going to work together as a group outside of the actual session or between sessions, uh, definitely e-learning or distance learning or even even written materials. I think, you know, you can start to think about, okay, I'm, I might be writing something that's just intended to be read by someone and they can take some learning from that. But actually, if I get them to play a little kind of game with themselves or challenge themselves or give themselves points or see if they can beat a certain mark within the middle of that, uh, you know, then definitely you can, you can start to do that. Actually, um, if I'm going to interrupt you there, Terry, just thinking yeah, about, talk, talk, the, the written material, a really simple thing that I've used, particularly in pre-course, um, is to create a crossword or a word search. So the yeah. gamification is there so they can complete the crossword or it's um, in this word search, you know, there are a number of, um, so when I did alternatives to recruitment, how many mm. can you find? So then they come on the course and they go, well, how many did you find? I found seven or oh, I found nine, mm. you know, mm. so without realizing that's, that's gamification, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Sorry, I interrupted you there. No, it's fine. I mean, it's just, just, kind of, just kind of just 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 freewheeling really about uh, different places you can start to think about it. I think, you know, again, if you if you take that game design approach and thinking about lots of different elements, you could definitely start to think about applying it anywhere that somebody you want their engagement and you want to keep their engagement. Yeah. 
No, that's, that's, that's really, really um, thought-provoking, to be honest, because I think, as you said, we, we tend to associate gamification with online learning, with e-learning, because mm. I think they popularised the term mm. um, and they brought it to the fore of everyone's mind, um, mm. whereas it, it can exist in very many formats. As you say, computer games are huge, mm. um, and rightly so, because you know the, the, it's a whole entertainment industry, but that hasn't been the death of board games where we sit around the table um, with a cup of tea and a biscuit and, and we, we still play Cluedo. Yeah, you know? absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Although actually you're saying about kind of e-learning and stuff just made me think of one particular example uh, around kind of outside the classroom type stuff, um, which is around badges. So again, we said at the start that points, badges and leaderboards are not the be all and end all of gamification, but actually they can be used quite well. So, so if you, for example, think about something like certification with learning i don't know about you but to me certification seems like quite a dry topic uh even if not for me then for some of the people i might be trying to encourage yeah. about oh you'll do this thing and you'll get some certification but as soon as you start to talk about it in terms of badges uh and saying okay we've got a badge that you can earn and it's part of a suite of badges which can be displayed in a certain place in a certain way and they've actually taken this kind of concept and, and said, well, look, uh, there's a lot of this kind of thing that people would like to be doing, but it would be good to have it in a unified kind of way. So then, now there's this, this initiative called Open Badges, which I encourage people to check out if they are interested in making certain certification a little bit sexier. And it's this idea that you can, by this kind of open source uh, setup, you can, you can define your own badges, you can give them out, and people can put them in it. Uh, in, in, a, in a kind of place online which they can then uh, link to from the LinkedIn profile or from anything like that where so you're, you're kind of taking it where you might individually as an organization or, or as a trainer be trying to give some kind of certificate or whatever but now take it to a place where actually it's part of a bigger ecosystem and it's got you know nice colorful badge that's designed in a particular way and fits into people's ideas of badges that they get for achievements in games um, so a little bit more appeal there for some people. I like that. I think I, I'm going to investigate that because I've got um, I've got a, an idea brewing where that would work mm. very well. I think. Mm. I mean, open badges itself, if you're going to use the the kind of raw setup of it, needs a little bit of expertise in kind of uh, needs a bit needs a bit of IT skill. But actually, there are people. Who, <laughs> That's me out then. <laughs> well, there there are people who created InSpace where actually they they've done all that work for you, uh, and there are loads of them out there. Um, if you go onto the Open Badges site, it actually recommends a number of them. Uh, one that I found to be pretty self-explanatory and makes a lot of sense is My Open Badge. So okay. you can check that out if you're interested. My Open Badge. Smashing. So, uh, Terry, I'm, I'm conscious of the time. We've probably been talking for a, a good half an hour on this, but it's obviously a massive topic. Um, can I just reflect back um, mm. to you some of the things that I've learned and then maybe you can... Um, reinforce um, any of those in particular or obviously fill any gaps sure so these are in no particular order by the way it's just the notes that I've made as we've gone through mm. um, for me if we're thinking about using gamification in our training design I think one of the, the first things that you said is we need to focus on the experience mm. um, itself and not just use it for the sake of using it because people will will, will see through that um, and we have to think about all the different game elements, such as, you know, the meaningful choices, the fun, the challenge, um, the, 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 the options, um, just to really sort of add, add those elements in. And I think that all links to making it varied mm. so that different people can actually um, achieve in different ways. 
Um, so it's not all skewed to, and the other thing I talked about was different types of um, players, different types of gamers. So we need to be really clear about which type of gamer we are uh, appealing to. Mm. And certainly if we're doing a program or, or an event, we need to make sure that we're not always appealing to the same type mm. um, because people will get switched off. So we need to think about what motivates them. Mm. Um, and it's just about making it engaging. I think the other thing, as you said, is about making it fair mm. as well. Um, having that, you know, so it, it isn't a predetermined outcome. Mm. Um, and there perhaps is more than one way to play the game successfully. Mm. And the other thing which I, I have failed in the past um, sometimes is when I've come up with what I thought was a great idea and then it's fallen flat um, is because I failed to test it. Mm. Um, so I think that's um, the, the last thing I wrote down with, with stars all around it is, is test it before you take that to a live environment. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think it's a really, it's a really good summary there. Absolutely. I think one of the things I was just going to pick up on what you're saying there around players. I think even once you start to talk about different people having different motivations and why they play games and what they get out of them, I think one of the things that some people may be listening might still be thinking is, well, I don't, or some people I know don't really mm. like games, play games. Is this going to work at all for them? And, Actually, you know, my, my dad, my dad is not mm, a game player. Yeah. And yeah, my, my father-in-law is exactly the same. Mm. He, he, uh, I think he, he uh, my brother-in-law actually perhaps uh, scarred him for life a little bit by uh, forcing him to play lots and lots of games as they were growing up. <laughs> but definitely, uh, yeah, there are people who feel that way about games. But I think you need to keep in mind that gamification is not games. Uh, yeah. you know, there, there can be a little bit of a blurred line between the two. But I think you know, it's just about saying, well, actually, these are things that each of these elements, these, these very small bits, which can be used in really subtle ways, do motivate people some people don't like the whole idea of engaging in a whole game and there are lots of reasons for that yeah it doesn't mean that these little elements if they're done subtly and in a well-judged way won't motivate them because the, the the it's not the elements themselves the reason we're using the elements is because they tap into human psychology uh, yeah. and so it's just about working out what we can learn from human psychology really yeah so if if I could just ask you just just to mm. finish off this section, Terry, can mm. you just revisit those game elements again? Mm. Yeah, it's probably a really good way to do it. So yeah, I'll just go through. And again, this is an incomplete list, uh, but I'll, I'll go through some of the ones that I just kind of jotted down that I maybe wanted to try and bring into the conversation today. Mm. Um, so meaningful choices is a really big game element, you know, giving people a choice between different things and it having a real outcome on uh, an impact on the outcome. Um, getting them to play roles, uh, different roles that they can kind of get into. And it doesn't mean role playing necessarily, but just having a kind of role in their head. Autonomy, definitely of choices of what to do within the, the space of the activity or, or whatever. Fun, you know, trying to make it fun, which you know, is very difficult. And again, it's a, it's a testing thing. Uh, you can't, I don't think you can uh, just, just engineer fun necessarily, but I think you can try and think about what is fun, what would make this more fun, and you can test it and see if it's true. And I think, to be honest, I think a lot of us learning designers, we're actually quite good at that. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. You know, because we've, we've learned over the years to, you know, you have to keep people's attention. I think that's, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Sorry. Definitely. Continue. No, that's okay. That's good. Um, training wheels. Uh, so, you know, the first round or the first little while being a, a kind of simplified version that you then add things to rather than trying to explain the entire rules and then getting yeah. everyone to play the, the, the right way first time. Uh, challenge definitely we talked about uh collaboration and teamwork yeah 
trading, you know, having, having resources and having to trade them and work out what's a good trade, having a journey or a narrative, a sense of, of, of progression, uh, resources, uh, definitely. So having resources and managing your resources well, yeah. Uh, and that can be all kinds of things. I remember games uh, when we were kind of uh, growing up, kind of games that we played in school with really computers, which were some of the first computers, which were around trying to work out whether you were going to farm this thing or farm that thing. And those concepts are still used today in some of the yes, popular board are. games and yes. computer games. Puzzles. We use, those, we use those in risk. Which yeah. country shall I invade? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, puzzles definitely uh, mastery and improvement a sense of mastery a sense of getting better perhaps reflected by scores or levels sometimes or badges yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. and it's funny what we said about my dad doesn't do games but mastery and improvement yeah um, very very he, he, he's totally up for that absolutely yeah yeah um, investment you know investing things and then seeing if that investment pays off Mm-hmm. Um, you know, huge element of uh, fantasy football, which gets millions of people involved. Yeah. For instance, time pressure, getting feedback is a huge one actually that we haven't really mentioned. So this sense of feedback, you get feedback in so many games in terms of you do something and then you get some kind of feedback in terms of it earns you points or it gets you the country that you're invading or whatever. It yeah, might be. yeah, um, yeah. We we did talk about consequences mm, um, yeah. earlier, so similar yeah. thing, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we could roll that into consequences. A little yeah, bit. Uh, chance definitely oh yes yes of course yeah yeah it can be a really easy element to bring in in a, in a really simple way just bring a dice into something say okay yeah. uh you know rather than what well, i'm going to get you to uh do something in you know five minutes we're going to roll a dice to see how long it's you, you have to yeah yeah it. yeah actually i've used that in the past where it's um you have to come up with instead of saying everyone's got to come up with three examples um so you're working in your pairs roll the dice oh you've got to come up with five examples oh you've only got to come up with one and they're like oh why why have we got to come up with five but do you know what they always raise they always rise to the challenge yeah exactly and if they're struggling the other interesting thing is that other people will help them mm. yeah yeah so good. yeah yeah which is another game element uh well we said collaboration but also kind of uh you know tutoring uh coaching other players quests exploration customization loss aversion I'm going to start so now many, aren't there? Going, there, are, but, yeah. there are just so many but that's really really helpful thank you because I think you know certainly um, I've always thought of gamification as being quite a rigidly defined thing and just through our conversation today I realized that actually it doesn't need to be hmm. cool thanks very much for that Terry you're always such a mine of useful information <laughs> it's the, it's <laughs> the questions you ask <laughs> Well, it's because it's because I just, you know, you, you always bring something that um, that you know more about than I do. And I am just a, a sponge and I like to learn about these things. So it's um, really interesting. Thank you very much. It's easy when you get to choose the topics yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would never have chosen that because I wouldn't have known what to say. Mm. So that just shows, doesn't it? Um, how we how we need to keep our, our minds open mm. um, and yeah, build on what we know, but also just take advantage of the the people that we have around us who can help mm, us develop mm, definitely definitely okay so i think we're done with gamification for today was there anything you wanted to bring to the table today sheraton um it was just a quick thing really and this came from um a question that came through the training designers club that um i run um and it was it was a question around um how do i design bite-sized training because um you know, bite-sized training isn't new. It's been around for a long time. Um, it's a very popular way of 
in keeping that live element um, in a blended approach you know people are under pressure to to obviously reduce the length of time in the classroom um, and bite size is definitely um, used by a lot of organizations but it's one of those things that seems easy um, and it and it can be but it can also be quite easy to get it wrong mm. as well um, and when i've seen bite size used badly it's when it's people have tried to cram a day's worth of material into two hours um, and the inexperienced trainer or training designer does that by taking out all the activities mm. so because all well, this activity takes 45 minutes therefore we'll get rid of that and we'll just go through the theory yeah um, and you end up with a 90 minute lecture yeah with a few questions yeah. at the end um mm. so that for me is not bite-sized training mm. um and as you know, I mean, I've written 50 bite-sized training materials um, through Power Hour. So I've kind of got to grips with, with what's involved now. But, and and it, isn't, it isn't trying to condense a full-day course into 90 minutes. Mm. Um, and that's the, the first mistake that people make. So mm. at a very broad level, what, if you're going to do a bite-sized session, it has to start off as bite-sized. You can't write, make a full one and then cut it down. Um, so you have to start with that in mind and it can either do one of two things. So it's fine to just provide an introduction to a topic where you do everything very top line. Um, and no one really goes away being able to do anything significantly different, but what they are going away with is lots of things that they can explore in more detail if they want to. Mm. So it does have its place does have its use. Um, or we do one thing and we do it in the same amount of depth that we would do in a full day course so the example i would give is that you can't do a bite-sized session on performance management mm. because it's a massive massive topic what you can do is you can say here's about here's an overview of our performance management process and you can do that in 90 minutes and you can signpost the other resources um, or you can say right well this is how you need to raise um an issue mm. and that's all we're going to focus on yeah. So, so for for me that, that that's the fundamental thing, um, and then after that, it's it's very much following the principles of good training design. To be honest, mm. so we we still use accelerated learning techniques. We still use uh, I I follow Master, as you know. Um, we still do all the activity that would be involved. So we we can still use case studies. We we can still use role plays. Um, it's probably not the, the go-to exercise, but certainly um, the flip chart exercises that we would normally involve the discussions, mm. um, you know, uh, uh, case studies, you know, work, work particularly well. And I think with a bite-sized session, um, it's really important to choose those activities very carefully because let's say you're doing a 90 minute session, you're probably only going to do two mm. exercises. Mm, mm. Um, so, you need to choose them so they can be reflected on from a number of perspectives with a different lens. So we might run a case study and the first time we debrief it, we debrief it by looking at, um, I don't know, the, the, the approach taken by the manager, let's say. So that's one thing that we will we'll debrief that. And then we're going to look at it again, but we're going to look at it from a different lens. So, well, how might we have communicated that differently or, or whatever it is so same exercise different learning points mm. um, which the facilitator can draw on. and it, it also shortens the learning because the, the people actually doing the training don't have to get to grips with a whole new scenario 
Mm-hmm. Um, they've done it once they're familiar with it so they can de- delve into it a lot more quickly the second time so thinking about your exercises i think is very very important and that's you know things like card sort exercises work really well in bite-sized training because they don't take a lot of explaining as well mm-hmm. you've got to think mm-hmm. about yeah. time um you know, the practicalities of brief- briefing an exercise debriefing an exercise if you're going to be using equipment or breakout rooms you've got to factor all that in um, and you just don't have the luxury of it. So, you know, it, it is thinking about those sorts of things, the, the practicalities. Yeah. Um, there's one of the two things is if, if you're writing for someone else, you've got to be super precise <laughs> on, on what it is, because, you know, if the trainer has to take 10 minutes explaining and re-explaining, that's a massive chunk out of a 90 minute session. You've got mm. that luxury in a full day. Um, keep it active and very, very much you need to sign post further exercises. Mm. Um, so, you know, having that reading list, having those YouTube videos, um, that you can actively encourage people to tap into shortly after the event really helps embed the learning because, you know, 90 minutes is not enough. Mm. It's only ever going to give a taster, but what you want to be able to do is to make that taste sufficiently um, engaging that people will go away and follow it up um, mm. in, in whatever it is. So, yeah, it, so the, the, the principles are the same, but I think it's just about being realistic mm. um, as to what you can achieve in the time. Mm. Um, and it might be easy to think, well, why even do a bite-sized session? If, you, if, if it's going to be limited to what it can do, why don't we just, why don't we just curate resources? Mm which is um, a perfectly acceptable way of, of doing things. But I think sometimes people just need that springboard mm. Mm. Um, and getting people into a session to really start them thinking about the things and to actively signpost things and to get them to just try one or two things out. Um, and then you follow that up with curated resources. You follow that up with coaching. You follow that up with practical actions, which they are held accountable for, mm. can still make bite-sized learning a really, really um, important part of the learning mix. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, the design of it does need to be given just as much thought as, as a full day session or a week long program. Yeah, no, I'd echo a lot of that. I think that's a really good, really good set of insights. I think in particular, the one that, that I've experienced when I've designed such sessions is around not trying to be too ambitious. Definitely. Uh, I think once you, once you've taken into account all the stuff that you've got to do anyway, in a longer session, like introductions and scene setting and getting people, you know, getting the ice broken, and then rounding mm. up and then rounding up and action planning and, and you know, at the end, uh, yeah, you're left with very little time and you've really got to just focus on a couple of things. Yeah. Although you can use your icebreaker um, and your introductions, you have to use those cleverly in a bite size. And mm. in all my power hour materials, that first exercise is always linked to the topic. Yeah. Um, so it acts as our first proper exercise as well as the introductory one. So it's about using your time. Um, as well as you can really just being like say really clever and and keeping it simple fantastic to me uh and this is becoming a bit of a theme i think sounds like there's a there's a whole episode in there for the future maybe <laughs> i don't know may, maybe maybe I, I i don't know it's um possibly we'll have to see what people mm. think <laughs> but i think certainly some food for thought there definitely yeah yeah and um if, if i may do a quick plug 
Um, members of the Training Designers Club can um, go to the resources section and there is an actual how to, how to design bite-sized training in there, um, which is just, um, you know, very step-by-step -step some things to do. Fantastic. And for people who are not members of the Training Design Club, you should join. Absolutely. <laughs> Good stuff. So uh, uh, I think we've got uh, a lot for people to be going on with there around gamification and around mm. designing bite-sized learning. Uh, I think probably all that really remains for us to do today is to tell people how they can get in touch if they want to follow up on any of that or ask any questions. We'd love some discussion on the podcast's Facebook page. So just search for the Training Design Podcast on Facebook and let us know there your thoughts on the podcast itself, on the topics we've been discussing, or on anything else you think we'd like to hear about. Uh, also, if you want to connect with either or both of us individually, that'd be great. You can find me on LinkedIn. Just search for Sheridan Webb. Um, there aren't, well, I am the only one, um, so I'll be easy to find that way. You can email me, Sheridan at keystonedevelopment.co.uk, or find me via the Training Designers Club. Um, just Google it or go to trainingdesignersclub.co.uk. Um, there are various different levels of membership, and I would love to see you there. Great. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not the only Terry Pierce. In fact, there is a trainer <laughs> called Terry Pierce in America who has uh, who's published a number of books. So uh, searching for me can get a bit confusing. But um, but you're not American. The, the no, Terry Pierce uh, based in London. Yeah, yeah. So if you look for the Terry Pierce in London on LinkedIn, or if you have a look at my website, 360 Learning Design, uh, and you can get to all of my social media from there. Uh, so 360learningdesign.com, uh, or you can email me at terry at 360learningdesign.com. Okay, we'd, that's we'd, great. We'd love to hear from you if you've got any questions uh, about anything you've heard or any suggestions for future shows. Yeah, definitely any suggestions because we, we love a challenge, don't we, Terry? Mm, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Great. Well, I guess this is until next time then. Yeah, okay. Lovely talking to you as always, Terry. Really found that very insightful and thanks very much for your time. Thank you.